0: So, uh, I I want to open um, our text this morning to Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 21. And I want to read just a a very short verse here that is a common one. It reads this, and Jesus read this and said it. And so he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And today, I want to focus on um, careless investments and what that means for us. And uh, before we get into it, I want to open up in prayer and pray that God helps us and strengthens us and speaks to our hearts today. If we could, let's just bow our heads together. Lord, we thank you, God, for all the things you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for your your hand, your covering, your, your peace, your protection, God, those that you brought here faithfully this morning, how you've had your angels encamped about them. I truly believe that. Now, God, I ask, Lord, that your word be hid in our heart that your word take take plant in our soil. I pray strengthen us today, heal us today with your word. Help me, your teacher, today. We thank you together, and in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. High five somebody before you're seated. Praise God. You know, there's a a list all through Google on careless investments uh, examples <laughs> uh, as I was preparing. I thought I wanted to maybe talk about some of these ones and highlight some of some of them. And, uh, and there was a couple of them that went far, far back and companies you never heard of and maybe some individuals you never heard of that lost billions and billions of dollars in careless investments. But I want to highlight two that you know probably very well. I want to talk about back in 2000, Reed Hastings approached former Blockbuster CEO, John Antico, and asked him for $50 million to give away the company he founded. That company was Netflix, and so the Blockbuster CEO, thinking that it was a very small niche business, ended the negotiations, and they, they didn't buy Netflix, which at the time was just a DVD mailing service. Now, Netflix is just short of being worth $228 billion. In Blockbuster's heyday, they had 9,000 stores around the world. How many of you had one of those memberships? How many remember? I remember uh, walking down those aisles, and I, I remember those moments like, "Hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna rent something." It was a trip just trying to rent something. Like it was like you walk down, up and down. You look at things, and it, it was like the library for losers, really, if I could put it that way. The, the library for people who don't read, right? No one does that in the real library, but we went there and looked up and down, and, and now all those stores are gone except for one. There's only one that is left standing in in Oregon, actually, and um, it's not doing too bad because it's the only one. But I, I see this company here, and I want to emphasize this company because they did not care for Netflix. They did not care to really reach out and to change their 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 mentality the other company I want to focus on is called Kodak Kodak core business was selling film it's not hard to see why the last few decades proved challenging because cameras went digital and you can look at Kodak and say to yourself oh well uh, they did not uh, buy into digital but as I did research that was actually far from truth. Actually, in 1975, they had a, a worker named Steven Sassoon, who was an engineer who developed the first digital camera and worked for Kodak. Unfortunately, it took other things to see the picture. It was a very huge process. The camera was as big as a toaster, and it took 20 seconds to take the image had low quality and required complicated connections to televisions to view. But Kodak invented the technology but didn't invest in it. Sasson himself told the New York Times that management's response to his digital camera was, that's cute, but let's not tell anyone about it. The sad truth is that Kodak created the digital camera Actually invested in the technology, and even understood that photos were w- at one time going to be shared online. It's interesting they bought a, a company called Ophoto. It was a .dot com, and they tried to work it in into their business. But their goal was to use that .dot com website to have people buy more Kodak film. Not necessarily share online. And they end up sh- selling that company because it wasn't profitable to them because of their desire to just sell film. And they sold it to Shutterfly, which you've probably heard before. And then Shutterfly was acquired by probably you know who Facebook. Facebook. <clears throat> so 1996 was the peak year for Kodak. How many of you remember those? <laughs> How many still have some of those? Maybe in a drawer or dresser somewhere. You know, 1996 was the year I was 16. Then it was the peak year for Kodak. The company had over two thirds of global market share, and Kodak's revenues reached nearly 16 billion. Its stock exceeded 90 dollars a share, and the company was worth over 31 billion. Now, it's only worth 1.2 billion. I. The truth is is really this what we're invested in will determine our level of care we we heard those stories of those two companies that we know very well and heard of, and we've been around uh, enough to see the, the downfall of Blockbuster and really the, the evaporation of Kodak, and, and we, we have no doubt that they did not care to evolve, or they did not care to put into certain areas. They did not care for certain things, and if they did not care, they did not invest. Our opening text reads this again, Matthew six twenty one, for where your treasure is... That word treasures investment. There will your heart, that means care, be also. The word treasure in the Greek is thesaurusis, which means the place in which good and precious things are collected and laid up. And that's exactly what investment is. It's where we collect and put things, that place where we like to invest in. And the word heart in the Greek is "cardia," which means soul or mind. But it also meets the seed of the thoughts and passions and desires and appetites and affections and purposes and endeavors. Those are the things we truly care about. Those are the things that we desire to see flourish. My best friend back home, he is very good with... Uh, with money. I tease him all the time that he's got the Midas touch, that everything he touches just turns to gold. And he, he's, he's a, He's an entrepreneur. He's he's the, he's a go getter, and, and but the best thing about him is that he is faithful in giving, biblical giving. He sees that, and he makes that a priority. And God has continually to bless him and bless him, bless him. And he just recently bought a a warehouse for his business that you know that was around uh, you know a million and a half dollars. And and I asked him, I said, would you like to buy our church uh, building? Because uh, <laughs> he said, send me the check. So. Uh, well, just See if I could do that. But you know, he he's he intrigues me because he does dabble with the stock markets and he does invest in certain areas and uh, I've asked him I said if I were to you know you've got to want to do that right you've got to you've got to have a little bit of a mind but of a desire to follow those things and I teased him I said if I were to just give you a, a lump sum of money could you just handle it for me could you just go ahead and you I just give it to you and I just trust you uh, with it and and you know let it be what it be, be and I know you your touch is good. It's just going to happen. And, and he says, send it, send it, you know, and then he says, but let me just tell you, I can show you these things. And as he's endeavoring things, I'm like, oh man, you're losing me right now. You're already, you know, I'm already getting lost in the sauce here because it's something that I don't care about. If you don't care about it, you're not going to invest in it and those things. And, uh, he showed me those things that when he would make uh, an investment in a certain company, he didn't just find out what the company's name was. He had, he found out their history. He, he found out, you know, their background. He found out, you know, not just who their CEO was, but all of their, the CFO. He found out who their janitors were. He didn't care. He wanted to know everything about that company before he invested, and it shows a level of care. And today, I want to talk about that type of understanding of when it comes to investments of life, that there is a level of care that we need to give, and there's a level of care that we don't need to give. And I want to focus on a few investors found in the Word of God. The first investor is found really in the book of Second Samuel, and as I'm laying the context of this individual, uh, he grew up around the presence of God. He grew up in a house where the Ark of the Covenant was there, you know, resting in his living room. He would wake up every day and probably rush down the stairs and grab his frosted flakes. And there across the table, he would stare and see the Ark of the Covenant just taking place inside his living room. At at that time, I mean, the Ark of the Covenant is representative of the presence of God. There, it just sat there. And the Bible tells us it rested in that house for 20 years. For 20 years, he would see that, that ark there. That for 20 years, the presence of God lived in his home. Right. Yeah. We read in Second Samuel 6 and 4 that the time came and they they brought it out, the ark of the house of Abinadab, which is at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Jumping to verse 6. And when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen shook it, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. We see Uza was invested. And he was not so much invested in the presence of God, but he was invested in self. See, moving the ark was not necessarily a task that you just put off on somebody else. It wasn't a burden that we push off or a burden that we give to to a thing. The Bible made it perfectly clear on the makeup of the ark of the covenant that it was supposed to be moved with staves it had it was made specially with rings that you would put these wooden staves through and it was supposed to be lifted up on your shoulders and and it was supposed to be navigated by your shoulders. It was supposed to be brought from point A to point B only by the shoulders of the people. It was a burden to have the presence of God on your life. It was a burden to move it every single time and we see though, who knows at what year it took place. I don't know if it was year two. I don't even know if it was month two or year 15 where Uzzah decides This is not a big deal to me. I'm losing care and interest in the presence of God. And when the idea came, let's move this with the new cart. He, of course, being raised in a priestly home, should have said, no, 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 this is not how we do things. This is not how we move the presence of God. This is not what we're supposed to do. This is not, this is not by the law. It's not biblical. This is not what we're supposed to do. But instead, he he's wide open to the idea of casting off the burden of the presence of God. He puts it on the ark, and the ark gets or puts on the cart, and the cart gets to a bumpy road, and then, of course we know the story. We read it. He it begins to teeter and and about to fall. And we look at this wonderful save. You know, by everyone's definition, it looks like he's the hero in the moment. It looks like he's doing a good thing. It looks like he's in the right. And oh, how wonderful that he didn't allow that intricate piece of furniture that represents so much holiness and power. How he saved. It from landing on the rocks of the floor and emptying its contents for everyone to see. And, and just, wow, what a, what a great work. But God says, no, 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 that was disrespect to me. That was lack of care. And what, what you see here is that his care of the presence of God faded away over time. And we read 1 Samuel 7, and it tells us that the ark that dwelt there for so long, it took away care. And I, I want us to understand that Uzzah wasn't invested in the presence of God. He was more invested in himself. And I wish more people cared for the things of God than they do for the things of self. I wish more people cared to be faithful to the house of the Lord as they are as faithful to the place of their needs. You know, we I have multiple conversations with members on the phone about man, we hope to see you in church. And and still they're 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 telling me that I'm just worried about the sickness and I'm worried about the illness out there and and I'm keeping my distance and I don't want to die and I don't want these things and I'm in agreement with them. I don't want you to die, and I don't I don't want those things. But man, they will quick jump into a car, run down to a grocery store, touch a handle that opens the door by thousands of people that go into that in and out of that room. They have no problem going to their place of of needs and their place of uh, of reserves and no problem going to the banks, the post offices, all those things. But God forbid you care about the presence of God. And I want us to understand that the careless investment who's made there was ultimately cost him his life we see the the turn down in his his stock. We see the turn down in his his reward. His life was taken because of a careless investment. Now I want to look at the second group of people that shows us another type of carelessness. They're found in Daniel chapter 3, and at this chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar raises up an idol. And in this idol, he demands that everybody at the sound of the music, when the harps are played, the flutes are, are played, the, the sultry, the everything, when it's played, we're all to bow to this idol, all to bow to, to this thing. And, of course, this is a familiar story. Let's read it. Daniel three fourteen. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods nor worship the golden image which i have set up why didn't you bow when the music played why didn't you why didn't you yield why didn't you socially fall into place right right, right. 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 look what he says here is, is this don't you did you care about my golden image now if you be ready verse 15 that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet the flute the harp the sack but i don't know if anyone's excited to play the sack but <laughs> the psaltery and the dulcimer all kinds of music ye fall down and worship the image which i have made well good for you but if ye worship not ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and who is the god that shall deliver you out of my hands my favorite part here Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We have a level of carelessness on the way you want me to respond. Right. Verse 17 If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burden fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, I love the if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The response of these three Hebrew boys is so powerful to me in verse sixteen when we are not care we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. We are not going to tread lightly. We don't we know what you want and we could care less. I love that. Care less what you want us to do. I don't care what you set up in front of me. I don't care what you deem and define to be right. I don't care what you choose to be my savior. I know who my savior and my savior lives. (laughs) These boys displayed a carelessness for the kings of the world and its judgments. And the Hebrew boys were not invested in the idols of this world. Exodus 20 and 3 tells us, thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Colossians 2 and 8 tells us, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not. After Christ, I'm getting to a point here. First John and five twenty says, "And we know that the sons of God has come and have given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Christ Jesus. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Why would why would first John why would John say it such a way? Why would he say it in such a, a a pattern that he would bring up the Son of God and the revelation, the understanding of who we're following after, and then he ends it? Little children, keep yourself from idols, because we're facing. and I read in Colossians two and eight, beware of these 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 philosophies. I truly believe today we are facing an idol of information. Right. I really do. It's not like what you think. Not like the Nebuchadnezzar story where we set up a giant gold image. And too often we live in that definition. We look at idols and we believe, I'm not following any idols. I, I don't have any idols. But if we could be really honest with ourselves, those idols are things that take up our time, that take up our worry, that take up our care, that in, that take all our investments from us, our focus from us. <laughs> right. Amen. How many of you struggle to put this down one day? Mm -hmm. How many of us struggle to not turn on a television for one day? Mm -hmm. I must struggle to not go to information every single day. I, don't, I really do believe that we are facing an idol right now of information. Some of it's true, some of it's false. I'm not going to, de- to be the one to determine what is what. I'm just talking about information in general. We're so hungry to know. We, we live in a day and age that we have knowledge at our fingertips. I mean, I can Google anything. I can, I can speak out into the atmosphere. Surrey, tell me what tomorrow looks like. Right. We have this ease of information, all these things. And what's sad is that we're not any smarter for it. We're not, we're not taking a, a really good understanding look at what, what's really happening. We're, seeing, we're being manipulated by information. I make the joke all the time. Did anyone let the Amish know that we had COVID in 2020? Right. Did they know? Did, they, did anyone tell them? Right? Right? <laughs> I wonder what their statistics are in health wise. Do they, were they affected by this? I'm telling you right now, what you allow in the here can affect everything. Amen. Amen. It's so true how we see just, I mean, you, you open, open your eyes to the things that are happening. And we see here that there is there is things happening, we are facing an idle information, and many are investing into that idol today and it 's the end all be all you know what you know what I do as as a minister of the gospel. I do my very best to show you what 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 the book says, and I do my very best. You know what I face. Is that that individual go and go grab another book from somewhere else or go watch a YouTube video and say, well, they said it this way and this is that way. And I'm telling you, just stick to the one book. That's all you need. Just stick to the word of God. That's all we need. That's why. That's why the man of God in the scriptures says, I wish you'd be simple with some things, right? I wish you would just understand that some of this information isn't helping you. That's why they call it faith. Faith is that, right? It's a substance. It's it's a thing that you you can't see, can't tangibly grab. You You just have to believe it. You have to grab it and say, it's for me. I I don't get how you can get into a a warm bathtub and someone like hold you down for a couple seconds. And you have this like moment of, dear God, is he gonna let me up again? Right? And then and then when you come up, all your sins are washed away. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know how it happens, nor do I need to know how it happens. What I do need to do is believe that it happens. Trust that it happens. Trust and believe that, you know what, no matter what other outside form of information there is, I I don't want to be so, so blinded by it. I want to stick on what God put in my life, and that is the Word of God. I don't want to care about I need to have a careless investment for everything that is of the world. A careless investment even against if I could put it this way. A careless investment on 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 its on the way it wants to bully me. Can I know I know we have plenty of individuals in my church who are facing the question of, of should I take it or shouldn't I take it? What are my rights? What are not my rights? What all those types of things. And I, and I try to do my best to give you the most wisest answer I can. I, first and foremost, if you take it, it does not matter to me. If you don't take it, it does not matter to me. It's your choice. It's completely up to you on. It's not the mark of the beast. Let's, if you, let's be honest. It's not. Do I, do I believe though that it's, setting you up for that day 100% I do believe that I believe it's you know I think you're going to see uh, this is not prophecies this is good old just me guessing okay I, I do believe that come around next presidential election there's going to be probably just like every presidential election a new virus a new thing just look at the statistics all these things now take this take this take this you're deemed to take this you don't take it you hate your brother yeah. right that's a lie. It's not, it's not the truth. That's wrong. And I'm telling you right now, the music is playing, and people are bowing to information, and people are, are kneeling down. But we have to have a, a carelessness in our spirit that says, I'm not going to bow down to, to, to a lie. I'm not going to bow down to wrong and errors. I'm not going to buy down, bow down to things that are, that are against the word of God. I'm saying that again. I want to be clear because anyone who, who's in here, I, I don't want them to walk away from me saying, "Man, he really is anti-vax." That's not that's not my point. <laughs> I, I'm 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 really anti-mandatory. You tell me what I can do with my body. That's right. What, what I am. I'm really man. I really hate this. You bow down or else you die yeah. mentality. Yeah. And and I wanna I wanna have a careless investment like the Hebrew boys. <laughs> If he, if he makes a way, awesome. But if he doesn't, he's still worthy. He's still, he's still God on the throne. I have a... I have a friend of mine who tells a story about his his grandfather who is a very very strong in the faith individual very very strong but a feeble guy and he comes up to a a very burly individual and the, and and he just wants to befriend him and 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 he does his best and this burly kind of oversized individual is, is harsh and brash and doesn't want anything to do with him and 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 he tells him to get lost and, and and, and just leave me alone. And still the, the the small you know man goes back to him and says, I apologize. I'm not meaning to to to, to hurt anything. I just I, I just I felt God lead me over to you and just wanted to, you know, see if you wanted me to pray for you. Or and the guy who was big and burly basically didn't want anything. I I don't want I don't want your hands on me. I don't want nothing. I don't want you to pray for me. I'll tell you what, you even think about i I'll, I'll hurt you. I will, I will, I'll, I mean, you can tell my size is so much greater. I, he, he begins to bully him, and the, the frail man just says, You can't threaten me with heaven. I love that. Love that mentality. Like, <laughs> the worst you can do <laughs> is help me see my maker. <laughs> And you can't threaten me with the things that I'm invested in. If I'm invested in heaven, you can't threaten me with heaven. Right, right. I want to talk about the third individual that makes a careless investment. We find him here in Luke 23, but before we get to Luke 23, before we bother putting those verses up there, brother Stephen, I want to talk about Matthew 14. Matthew 14, I didn't put it up there, but Matthew 14 is a story. It's a, it's a birthday party. It is a party like no other party. King Herod, he rules this area, this providence, and man, he's excited to turn up on his birthday. And he's like, listen, make sure you get the pinatas, make sure you get the, the, the bubbly make sure you get it all. I want all my my generals and my counselors, I want all my friends to be there it 's going to be wild and out i mean it 's going to be crazy i mean we 're going to be tweaking it 's going to be nuts all these things, and so what he does is he puts these things together and and he goes into this birthday party man things are happening in his strangely if you read this chapter it's really weird he there's a dancer at the party and that dancer happens to be a a close relative of him and all of the men there are like man woohoo!" you know they're doing their things They're saying, wow, keep her dancing and and, and all these things. And the king's like, listen, don't stop. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom if you keep keep on doing what you're doing. And she, of course tunes her ear to to that type of investment. She's like, whoa, I can keep on dancing and and provide some joy in his heart and his life and excitement for the group and I can get up to half the kingdom. I'm sure at this time she's thinking of that new, you know, Ferrari they just came out with. I'm sure she's thinking maybe of those, you know, I don't know, what do women think about? Purses and shoes? Help me out here. I don't, help me out, help me out. Oh, tractors. Need new tractors for farmers over there, okay. <laughs> no, but she's—I have no doubt she's thinking, "What can I get? Maybe a new condo up to half the kingdom. At least I can get me a new high riser space." But her mom whispers in her ear, pulls her to the side. Listen, I, what you—what I really want you to get for me is the the head of John the Baptist in a basket. And she's like, a hey, a head of who why i was kind of hoping a purse maybe i was hoping for something nice that i can carry around i just don't think that's feel right with my shoes nevertheless she goes back she says to him i want john the Baptist's head in a basket and what's interesting in that chapter is herod's like oh my gosh pauses for a moment and realizes man did she ask a big ask but he did not want to be embarrassed he did not want to look around and say no no let's think of something he said so be it let it be so whatever you want all the men looked at him all the generals and everyone stared at him in a moment thinking is he actually going to do it he says let it be done and they of course behead john the baptist and put his head in that basket she takes it home to mama What's so sad is the relationship that that Herod had with John the Baptist. You know, it wasn't one that was a deep-seated enemy. I, I truly believe Herod loved everything that John the Baptist was primarily about, but he was scared of his position of power. See, John the Baptist had a great, great, great following. He had a powerful following that people were just listening to him. They were listening to the fact that there is one coming behind me whose shoes I'm not worthy to just even loose. And not only is you know, I'm going to baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with fire. And when they heard this message, they bought into it so much that people were hungry for change. And they were hungry to repent and to have their sins washed away in repentance. And they, they bought into that in such a big, giant group. And even Herod tuned his ears to that type of message. But he realized, I've got to control this power. If I control the power, I control the people. So he imprisons him. And, of course, he imprisons him for some other stuff, too, that that he said against his, his wife at the time he called him out and said that's not right that's not that's not biblical that's not how you're supposed to be you're not supposed to be marrying that woman and all these things and she hated John and that's why she requested for his head to be in a basket and all these things but I truly believe Herod didn't want to kill John now flash forward now if we can to Luke 23. As soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, this is, this is the, the judicial system, this is Pilate, and realizes that he belongs to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent Jesus to him, to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad for he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracles done by him. He was excited to meet this Jesus, excited to see this individual face to face. Is this the guy that John talked about? Is this the guy that John bragged about? Is this the guy that John was like stirred up about? Is this him? Is this, is this truly the individual that, that, that I'm, you know, I've been on my edge of my seat to know who he is? And not only that, I've heard miracles. I've heard of things that he's done. He's fed thousands. He's, he's done miraculous things. I've got so many questions, right? Look at what, what this next passage says, verse 9. Then he questioned him with many words. But Jesus answered him nothing. He would not speak to him. He would not even acknowledge him. He he was so rude. That's rude, Jesus. He's asking you a question. Answer him. He won't even answer him. See, Matthew 14 tells the story of Herod's birthday party. Of course, the beheading of John the Baptist, and when Herod finally has the opportunity to sit down with Jesus with all those questions, no answers were given because that day at Herod's birthday party, Herod chose to invest in his pride and his position. Chose to care more about his position than really the message of John the Baptist. He cared for his position more than he did for the life of John the Baptist. And I want us to hear what this really is. Because he invested in pride, he was careless for the message of repentance. Ultimately, when we don't invest in repentance, we don't reap the profits of salvation. Amen. Right, we don't get to have the ability to enjoy what jesus is about if i kill the forerunning message i don't get to i don't get to soak in who jesus is if i neglect to care and invest on the fact that i need to die that i need to lay my sins down I'll never experience the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what Jesus represents. He is that power. He is that spirit that dwells in us. He is that ability to have, but I'll never taste of it if I don't want anything to do with the message of repentance. It matters. It matters what we care about. It matters what we invest in. And here, Herod was so careless with John that it ruined his future investment with Jesus. The last person I want to talk about today. I have to read almost the whole chapter, Isaiah 53, starting at verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty on him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the hand of the living. For the transgression of my people was he Stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, Will I divide him a portion with the great? He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. We know that Isaiah 53 gives us insight of Christ and what he did for us. But Christ has poured out his soul unto death. Can I tell you what type of investment that is? To pour it all out, to put every chip right in the center and say, I am giving it all for you. What a careless investment. Think about that. Think about what Paul makes so clear in Romans 5 and 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man would even dare, dare to die. That You know what that verse means? Common sense tells you. Don't do it. Common sense, that's a terrible investment. Common sense says, no, no one's doing this. No one's doing this at all. Please don't do it. But, verse 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uzzah invested in self. Herod invested in his pride of position. But Jesus invested in you what a careless investment what, a, what an absolute careless investment that christ made yeah i look at the hebrew boys and i think wow i didn't care for for the repercussions of not being uh, obedient in the presence of idols but man yes i need a, I need to take on that type of mentality and say no i I trust in God more than anything, but man, no one, no one, this is kind of likened to the blockbuster deal. <laughs> no one would make such a terrible, careless investment in me or in you, but only Jesus did. Right. Right. See, the word of God gives really us an investment portfolio or, or a plan. I'd like to pu- kind of put that into to what this is. And it's fine in Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. How is that a portfolio? How is that a plan for my careless investment? Well, simply this. Be careful for nothing means be careless for the things of the world. Don't put your stocks in what the news is, is declaring. Don't put your stock in that there is no hope for you. Don't put your stock that you are going to be killed all the day long. Don't put your stock in the fact that there's nothing but death and worry and, and dis- disease out, in the, out out in the atmosphere. Put your, put your care into him. Amen. Put your care into Christ. Pray for your needs. Pray, pray, it says to pray in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. That's what we're supposed to do. When we're facing these, these things that are coming against us, pray about it. Don't, don't just call your pastor and say, pray for me. Don't, don't, don't shrug off your burden of responsibility. Right. You can pray for your needs, you can pray for yourself don 't don 't let me say that and make you feel that i 'm not going to be praying for you that 's not at all the case, but I do think that we are so quick to hand over our problems to somebody else. Take ownership, care less about things, and pray for things. Lastly, rest in the investment you made and the investment you made is Jesus. Because Jesus invested in you, invest back in him. And what does he bring you? He brings you a peace that passes all understanding. You get what that means? Amen. It literally means that by my, by the, the, the marks, if you put my, uh, the, the, the title up there again if you if you look at if you understand what that graph is it's ups and downs it's 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 the stock market that tells you things and we can stare at these graphs and try to make the most logical way to to deal with these investments but I'm telling you what God is is that he's going to do something that makes no sense to that I'm going to give you a piece that literally passes all understanding wow I love that. Your hearts and minds through Jesus, keep him, put it on him. I I, want to be careless with the things of the world. And I want to be, I want to care for the things of God. Let's just bow our heads together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity we have to be together. I pray, speak into our hearts and our lives. Stir us, Jesus, in this hour and this day, Lord, to be careless about about the things that are attacking us, and choose to 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 buy in to get a peace from you. That, Lord, we just can't understand where it comes from. We we can't put our finger on it. We just we just know that you're able to give and you're able to heal and you're you're able to, Lord, give us a rest from our burden of worry. I pray, bless us in a mighty way. Bless the remainder of. Of this service today. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory today. And in your name, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. 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 And amen. Praise God. Praise God. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit Ephesuschurch.com. Thank you for being a part.